John, how's it going? Good, man. Good talk to you. What's going on? Uh, not much. We're, we're live now on the podcast. Thanks for joining me on this call tonight. But, yeah, no uh, doubt. Can I you hear me all right and everything? Yeah, could you turn your volume up a tiny bit? It seems a little quieter than yeah, normal. Me, yeah. Let me try on my kid's laptop. So. Well, good. <laughs> I mean, if you moved closer, that, that just works. But I figured we'd start off talking about um, 2020 because um, this will be one of the last episodes of the year. And yeah, it's, it's been, been crazy, a, man. It's been a crazy year. No doubt. I mean, it seems a little redundant at this point, but just true as it can be, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I know for you, um, you seem to post things on Facebook a lot that are, I don't know, I wouldn't call them controversial necessarily, but um, they get in this thing in age, off, they get you kicked off quite a bit in, in Facebook jail. Yeah, well, they have, you know, free reign. <laughs> to do whatever they want with their uh what do you call them the conditions you know it's not like freedom of speech that they they get to restrict it and they basically you know chosen you know not only chosen what their restrictions are going to be but they continuously move the goalpost on that as well so you know, well, like the things that we're saying for writing the word cracker. <laughs> oh, you got kicked off for that? Yeah, I got kicked off for saying cracker about the the Paul brothers, and we're taught they were talking about setting up a fight between the Paul brothers and the Diaz brothers, and I said, uh, I'd watch those crackers get their ass kicked, and they kicked me off for that. <laughs> yeah. Are, are most of the posts you're getting kicked off for political, though, or? Um, it's for a variety of, of different reasons. Yeah. I've also had people, like, try to get me fired from my job and shit over Facebook, too, which is funny. Wow. Yeah. That's people really messed that up. Way too seriously. Yeah, I think that's really what the problem is with the um, politics. The last two elections is, you know, social media makes it seem like a way bigger deal than it is. Well, I think, uh, you know, yep. Trump getting elected, basically a lot of people decided that, you know, they were going to draw a line in the sand, you know, and then once again, that line in the sand gets moved back continuously because you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Republican. If I could not fucking follow politics and, be involved in it at all i wouldn't <laughs> i wish you didn't even well, have to fucking go vote that's pretty much what i do is i'm just a like a strict independent i hate both parties and i think they're both stupid and right i mean i, I voted I'll, for I'll jorgensen in the main election i voted for sanders in the democratic primary i mean i don't think any candidate's perfect but i'm not gonna you know set in stone i'm this or i'm that you know it's funny right. you see it in rap now too. It's like if you're not a Democrat in rap now, they're like, "Oh, you don't even have a place in rap anymore." It's like, what? 
And right. Well, basically, a freedom of speech was taken away because of social media. Right. Right. And people get like people get like we were saying too wrapped up in it to the point where it becomes their voice and their life. And you know, I mean, I've even been guilty of that before. I mean, the shit is fucking addictive. You know, you find yourself looking at it like, why am I even fucking looking at this right now? You know, right. most of it's negative. You don't see a lot of positive stuff on there anymore either. Yeah, that's true. I think with the politics, it's just um, a lot of people are followers and they, they just have nothing really to. I don't know. They, they A lot of people need guidance or they have no idea how to live their life. And so politics has replaced religion, basically. Like if you're if you're this type of person, join this party. If you're this type, join this. Right, other right. One. Well, also, you know, p- people based on their religious affiliations will be part of a party too. You know? Like I have, you know, I'm Irish, so I have Catholic family that are Republicans just because they're Catholic or whatever. And, you know, you see people who are like, you know, part of this religion or that religion who go to a certain thing and a lot of times I think the political parties use that against them. You know, they say, Oh, you know, like you see topics like they're really never going to like, you're never going to see laws change on certain things, you know, like abortion and stuff like that. But you see politicians like, you know, Republican politicians say, Oh, I'm against abortion. Well, when have they ever really like, you know, gone after it that hard, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I think people, politicians manipulate and pull the puppet strings on people without them so much realizing it. Yeah. And, uh, well, when you were talking, it actually reminded me of when I guess Biden said something like, um, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Right. Yeah. I remember. And it's like, if, if, if Trump said that people would go absolutely nuts. Right. Right. But you know, it's kind of fucked up, but he, that's his mindset. You know, that's what he thinks. It's not anything new. I mean, basically that's the way Democrats have thought for a long time is that if you're a certain race, you have to vote for them. I think they were shocked, you know, because they've been pushing more towards like the socialism side and stuff. I heard that like, you know, Trump won Florida because like, you know, the Cubans were voting for Trump because they, came from Cuba where Castro was president and, you know, you have communism and they were fleeing that. And then, you know, Trump once again was able to kind of use the whole publishing and be like, Hey, you know, they're pushing towards this. So, you know, the Democrats thought, Oh, this is a group that's always going to vote for us. And they were a little surprised, like, Oh, they were able to flip that coin this time around. And it's crazy that they even break it up to into that, like, Oh, this, you know, like a demographic, like these people vote for us. And, the, you know, like, really? Yeah. I thought we were trying to push away from racism. I mean, you're talking about this certain group of people has to think a certain way. That seems like the epitome of racism to me. I don't know. Well, what, just, what I just thought of, too, is um, I heard someone mention this on the podcast not too long ago. It's like the people forget that like 20 or 30 years ago when gangster rap was a big deal and like censorship and, um, you know, parental advisory music. Yeah. There was yeah. A lot of Democrats. Tipper Gore and Al Gore. Yeah. That were like driving a steamroller over a bunch of hip hop CDs. Right. 
Yeah, to that famous it. clip from like the Bone Thugs track, like we're not against rap, we're not against rappers. Oh yeah, we're, we're I didn't against even know that. thugs. And you know, they did they didn't get it either. They didn't get what they were trying to fucking say. They'll go back now and say they did. You know, you have people like Kamala Harris saying she listened to Tupac in college, but then you find out she was in college in like the eighties when Tupac wasn't even rapping. Oh, really? <laughs> but, so yeah, well, I think um, I think we've pretty much witnessed like a mass brainwashing, definitely in this last year, maybe in the last few years. But I mean, they definitely amped it up this year because of um, the election. Right. Well, you know, people got to be careful because, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, it's a lot very similar to like what happened in Europe before World War Two, where you have like these two or three like kind of parties that come around, like you had communism come up in Russia. And that was a big thing. And part of that was because, you know, you had the, the depression going on in the United States and they were able to say, Oh, look, capitalism isn't working. You know, like you should switch over to this. And then you had Roosevelt come around. He was basically like the Bernie Sanders of his day, you know, like the social Democrat or whatever. And then you, had all that going on in Europe and especially Ger- a country like Germany, which had just been devastated by world war one. And they were actually going through a depression too. Like our depression affected Europe as well. It didn't just affect us. So it was the perfect breeding ground for a guy like Hitler to come around and, you know, pull those puppet strings. So you got to be careful because, you never know, like, right. what could end up happening. You got to remember that you got to think for yourself and not necessarily go along with the crowd. Yeah, and there's actually um, Holocaust survivors that are that's like speaking out and trying to remind people that that happened really not too long ago, and it could happen again. Oh, totally, and it's the same political concepts. You know, you. We haven't really had anything crazy new come out since that era. You know, you had communism, you have uh, democracy, and you have, you know, socialism, which is basically like a cross between democracy and communism. And that was basically all came up with to replace the monarchies in Europe, you know, so we're what you're seeing these politicians talking about today, it's not anything crazy differently from what people were talking about back in the forties and thirties and shit. Like, Right. And even back then in the thirties, there's like videos I've seen where they um, talk about how they were brainwashing and manipulating people in movie theaters. Oh yeah. For sure. Like flashing things on the screen. If they could do that back then, why would people think they can't do it? They didn't have Facebook social back media. then. Yeah. You know, exactly. Now they know everything about you because you're telling them everything. Right, right. They can look on your page and find everything that you do and everything that you like. Yeah, they they've always used technology against us too. You're right. Like back in the 30s that was when film like film had just gone from being silent to you know, you actually being able to hear audio in film. And then color came about and Goebbels, who was one of Hitler's right-hand man, was actually a film producer too. And he made 
propaganda films and you know these german people who were basically fucking farmers and shit would go into a fucking movie theater and see these you know images being pushed in their face of like glorious germany and all this shit and that's how they got them you know that's how they fucking brainwashed them and now it's a lot more subtle and like you said you have um the information uh hijacking that's going on where they basically like google and all those companies they have all your information i mean what was crazy is last time i got kicked off facebook i downloaded um a non-censored app like a version kind of like facebook or twitter but it's not censored and yep. like right after i downloaded that my ban was rescinded from facebook and i was allowed to be back on facebook it was like they knew that i had downloaded that app and they were like hmm, maybe we should let him back on right we don't want to lose him and all of his information right exactly so do you um do you believe in like conspiracy theories or like um you know, like there's weird things going on. It depends on what you're talking about. about. I mean, if you're talking about like conspiracies within the government, I'd like say that. yes. You're talking about you know, flat Earth or something, I'd say no. Right. But you do have a mind open. For yeah, I have an open mind. Right? As long as it's realistic and it doesn't take a huge jump to conclusion. Like that's my biggest problem with conspiracy theories is where you have to kind of take this little bit of evidence and then make a leap while simultaneously ignoring all the other evidence to the contrary that's over here. Yeah. 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 But I, there's been conspiracy theories that have been proven true. Yeah. Like uh, the was it the Gulf of Tonkin, the reason we got into the Vietnam War, they basically, like there was two incidents <clears throat> that happened uh, within a couple of days involving ships getting shot at and one of them ended up being complete bullshit and once the cia or fbi or whatever declassified all of it it was seen that it was complete bullshit they just you know wanted a reason to get into that war so yeah it shit happens for sure yeah i mean they were gonna do that with cuba they were gonna um kill a bunch of people and blame it on the cubans right i heard about when that JFK too was president yeah, they were gonna like kill Americans. Basically, it was like a, a false flag. Basically, and I think Kennedy maybe shot it down or something like that. Yeah, I mean, plus, I mean, in like with Charles Manson, he was uh, part of a program. I can't think of what it is right now, but um, they were freaking dosing people up all the time on large amounts of LSD. You're talking about MK Ultra. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if if people look into that, there's so many crazy things that happen. You should watch a show that I watched called CIA Declassified. And you'll, like I said, like every 30 or 40 years, stuff gets declassified. And you can actually see where they were shady as fuck. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure they don't declassify everything, but. Well, that's what's funny how people like have so much belief in these political people when, I mean, they're all friends. Right. And when have they ever done anything for any of like, right. They don't, they don't care about anyone. They meet up and like hang out or like go to generous and, um, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but I mean, I've been saying for like 20 years that elections are rigged and 
and that they're all friends and, and just. Well, the way I look at it, it's like this. They're, they're all working together every day. It's like, uh, you know, LeBron James playing a basketball game against, you know, Kevin Durant. But then afterwards, they might go to the bar and hang out and have a drinks and pick up girls together. You know what I mean? Like. That it's exactly like that. That's a perfect analogy. They, they, yeah, they might disagree on certain things, but when it boils down to it, they're homies at the end of the day, and we're just the people in the fucking bleachers that bought the ticket. You know what I mean? We don't. We won't fucking mean shit to these people. One of the like, I was just arguing with somebody. Like they were saying, once the Biden gets in the office and Democrat-controlled Congress, and hopefully. There's like two runoff elections in Georgia, and if they win both of those, then they'll have Democrat majority of the Senate as well. And she's like saying that if once that happens, everything is going to be fine. You know, like it's once one party controls everything, then everything will be okay. It's you know this one it's a party that's all bad. These other guys are. It's like you really see it. Like you think it's like good and evil. Like <laughs> these people don't give a shit about you. The Democrats had full control of the president, the White House, the Democrat, and the sen- Senate uh, when Obama was in office. Until like the last oh, two yeah. years he was in office, they had full control and they didn't do shit. We still had fucking riots over police killing fucking people. We still had, you know, economic shit going on. We had the banks get fucking bailed out for all their bullshit after they were fucking people, you know, giving them inflated mortgages that they couldn't pay and basically almost worse than another fucking depression. You know, it's like these same people were all in control then when all that shit was happening too and shit wasn't hunky-dory then either. But people seem to kind of forget that, that, you know, maybe, you know, you look at it's like almost insanity at some point. Like you're doing the same fucking thing over and over again. Maybe you should be like, hmm, Maybe you try something else. I don't know. Right. Uh, it happens every four years. Like People act like if the other party wins, it's the end of the world. And it never is. Everything's always fine. Right. I love the wasted vote argument, too. Like That happens every four years. If you say you're going to vote for an independent, it's like, oh, you're just wasting your vote. Or you're voting for Trump or you know, you're voting for whoever is the bad guy. You know, if you, you're throwing away your vote and... I mean, that's the stupidest fucking argument ever. There's plenty of fucking countries that have three-way elections all the time. We In the state of Maine, we've had three-way elections plenty of times where all three candidates were in a dead heat. Uh, Ross Perot was leading the three-way election between Clinton and George Bush. You know, that's cr- crazy to think about. Like, you think of, like, Clinton as a popular fucking president, and George Bush wasn't that unpopular either. I mean, he brought down the Berlin wall, but this fucking random billionaire was leading against both of them in election at one point. So it's not impossible for a third party to win. People just have this idea in their head that it can't happen. And once again, it's like you said, it's a brainwashing, you know, this is what they've been told to think. So this is the way they think. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how anyone could trust the government. Um, just knowing, well, I, I mean, it's obviously not a free country for voting when Bernie Sanders got screwed the last two elections. I mean, I mean, he, he got uh, screwed twice, and even he bought into the, the propaganda because you know he, they had that whole slogan like "blue no matter who," you know. So it's, 
he didn't even fucking put up a fight the last fucking time against Biden. He knew he knew he was fucked after uh, this Super Tuesday or whatever. They they pull the whole fucking fast one on him. You know, it's like you had four fucking candidates drop out of the race right after they fucked Bernie on Super Tuesday. <laughs> so, right. Well, plus, it's not um, hard to see what happened there. With, yeah, the first time with Hillary. Um, there was some guy that came out and was like, yeah, the DNC rigged it against Bernie so that Hillary would win. And then he was found dead in New York like a week later. And they said it was a botched robbery. He still had his, his wallet in his pocket and all of his stuff. Yeah. Well, remember like Bernie had a fucking came on TV right after he endorsed Hillary and he had a black eye. And they were like, joke. we were all joking about it. Like they put... They locked him up in a basement and probably like tortured his fucking family or something until he <laughs> agreed to endorse her. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of weird shit happened this year. What What are you looking forward to in 2021? Do you think things are going to improve or? Um, what I'm looking forward to is controlling the things that I can control. Yeah, I can't control yeah. what's going to happen with this country or. COVID or fucking, you know, politicians and, you know, restrictions and shit. I just got to, you know, work on what I can control in my little world here. You know what I mean? I got a new project dropping with the Immortals. So pretty excited about that. That's one good thing about COVID is it gave me time to get back in the studio and do some writing and all that good stuff. So were you ever um, quarantined or like not working and on lockdown during this I think and, and just working on music? Everybody, well, I, you know, I'm a chef by trade. So I was the sous chef at a hotel and I was laid off because basically our business was oh, yeah. very banquet related. Um, and that's why I yeah. was hired. So once that happened, uh, I basically you know, kind of voluntarily said, I'll take the layoff too, because I had to uh, homeschool my kids too. This was last year around April, I want to say, the end of the year when all kids got put out on. No, that's this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last school year is what I meant. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was still 2020, last school year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I've, you know, had to find, I haven't even been really cooking that much. I've done some catering and, um, you know, poured myself out to restaurants that need the work and stuff here and there. But other than that, I've been, you know, working at a fish market. I was on unemployment for a while. Like I said, just control what I can control. I'll always find a way to get by. One way or the other. So you mentioned the Immortals. Let's bring it back a little bit and uh, give people a little history about you guys. So how exactly did it get started? I feel like it was you and High Grade. Right. Originally, it was me and High Grade who formed the group. There was a group before the Immortals. Uh, it wasn't it like New yeah, Hampshire? Yeah, originally we had a, another guy who was from New Hampshire and I was from Maine. And Hyderi in Massachusetts were the tri-state titans. So it was, you know, three of us from three different states, each kind of representing, 
you know, we started as basically like a New England movement is the way we saw it. At that point in time, underground hip-hop in New England was just starting to blow up. This is around, you know, 2011, 2012. Uh, so that's when, like, you know, start stuff started to really take off in New England. And basically that's where our heads were at. We're going to kind of try to re- not piggyback off the movement, but reinforce it, you know, with what we were doing. And the guy who's from New Hampshire ended up falling off after the first two albums and Rich Fade 88, he had worked with high grade before because high grade was in another group even before that called the, the high community back in Massachusetts. And Rich had done a lot of work with them. And so the three of us basically came together form. We had already formed Immortal music, which was the label and fate was already signed to the label. So we basically looked at it as like a, an immortal music supergroup, if you will, yeah. you know, where it would be the three of us. And the first album we dropped as that group was in 2014. It might've been early 2015, but I want to say it was 2000, late 2014, uh, top of the food chain. And that was, you know, kind of the album that brought us into the scene. You know, that's when we started getting a lot of shows and, you know, going on radio shows like yours and all that stuff. And being noticed. Yeah, I feel like it was around that time. How did you find out about my show in the first place? Um, Do you remember? I believe you're friends with Jacob, correct? Jacob Davis. He's my nephew's uncle on the other side of the family. So I think we got hooked up through him. Yeah, I think you're right. Because he actually showed up the first time you came to the station. Yeah, Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he is. Shout out to Jacob. Um, Now, didn't you put out a, a solo album and also high grade? Yeah, um, since Top of the Food Chain, um, we both did solo albums. High Grade had Tales of a Titan, and I had The Ghost Writer. Uh, We also put out uh, a free EP that election year of 2016 that was called The Freedom Campaign, where we kind of talked about a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight, you know, on that album. Um. Because it was the same thing in 2016, everybody was getting so worked up thinking, you know, this is the end or this is like this. And we basically talked about how for the last hundred years or so, you've been getting fucked. (laughs) So don't expect any different unless you really change your mindset and look at it from a little bit more of a, maybe not revolutionary standpoint, but the the mindset of the original revolutionaries in this country who were like, you know, taxes, what the fuck is that kind of deal? You know, you see it like if you read any of these bills that Congress fucking passes, it's like how much they're fucking wasting our money. It's like we all lose 25% of our pay every week so they can fucking piss the fucking money away. You know, it's... Yeah. You seem to know a lot about history. Yeah, I've always been into history. That was 
always my best subject in school. And even when I was in culinary school, I took history classes just so I could get, you know, the good grades and stuff. But I watch a lot of uh, Smithsonian Channel and American Heroes Channel. Those are really good if you want to learn about World War II or World War One or Civil War, any of that stuff. It'll give you a lot of uh, insight on what all the stuff's going on today, I think. Yeah. So do you have a favorite track that you guys have done on Immortal Music? Ooh, that's a rough one. Like if someone said, hey, can I hear a song of yours? What would I'd you play him something off the think? new album. So it's kind of, I don't want to get too, too into it, but for sure the new album is all of our best work. Now is it completely finished? All of our work's finished on it. We're just waiting on the mix and mastering to get finished and a couple of feature tracks. So hmm. how many tracks do you think? It's will be gonna on? be nine. So it's a continuation album. The last album we dropped was in 2018. It was Three Kings Volume One. So this will be volume two. And eventually there will be three albums and we're going to release it as a double disc when the, when it's all three of them put together. So they're, they'll get released yep. as singles and then there'll be like a collector's edition tr- double disc with all three albums on it when it's finally all said and done. Yeah. Nice. So we're looking at more like uh, not so much of an album as an anthology. Okay, so who produces most of these songs or on, on your uh, our album? biggest producer we use we use a few different ones but our biggest producer we've used since 2014 is Supreme the Almighty he's from upstate New York uh, he's done a lot of work with underground rappers around New York mostly boom bap style hip hop which is more what we do you know did he produce that track yes that was down? I love yeah, that he's done – all of his beats are amazing. Like, it's just up to us to do it justice is all it is. <laughs> he, How'd you guys uh, uh, link up with Apathy for that? For track? the beatdown? Well, we've done another track with Apathy the... on the top of the Food Chain album. We had a track with Apathy and Slain on there. It's called Edge of the Blade. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. So we we had already done that track with him, and then we ended up doing a show with him up in Portland at Empire. Uh, he was the headliner, and we were one of the openers. And you know, I think I because I worked at hotels and stuff, I ended up hooking him up with like uh, a free hotel room for his show when he came up and. Basically, I handled a lot of his rider, and he ended right. up doing the the track for us for free on that one. So that was cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is cool. Um. So, do you uh, have anyone in New England that you would love to work with? They that you haven't so far. That's a good question. Let me think. I mean, there's definitely a lot of. You know, the classic New England rappers that are still on that list, like Terminology. You know, I've, I've met Term and done a show with him, too. Uh, but we've never done a track 
acrobatic yeah uh joiner lucas <laughs> there's so there's so many yeah new england i i always say new england is the best we have these, definitely have some. these these pretty much yeah, last we definitely time. have a lot of them new york is trying to hang in there <laughs> but i think a lot of I think a well, lot you know of the York, good MCs York's in New York kind of get pushed the wayside by the more commercial shit that's coming out now. Yeah, surprisingly, like the last few months, I've, I've been really getting into a lot of New York artists more. And um, like I love Griselda yeah. and everyone affiliated with them. Rome, Rome Streets, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's probably nice. my favorite artist. Yeah, send me some tracks after the podcast. And, uh, He's from somewhere in New York, and he's put out two two mixtapes or albums. So at least this year, that like every track is good. He picks really good beats and everything. And he has a project with Neff coming up um, sometime next year. Nope. And uh, I don't know. I just I I don't I don't want to compare him to anyone, but he's very similar to like a like a newer nice. Joey Badass. Like when Joey Badass was brand new. Right. Right. And everything and, and making a lot of noise, but I mean, there's still a lot of great yeah, MCs out there. I just think, I've been listening so much. Now you, they're either on the underground or on this weird cusp between underground and commercial, where you know they're not getting the success of Cardi B or Future or any of those guys, but they're still more successful than your standard underground guys. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, these guys like Dave East. Yeah, I feel like, like that's where a lot of you know they're are. they're on, but they're only selling like fifty thousand copies of their albums. You know, like it's not anything crazy, but they're still out there. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these people that work with Griselda are like that. Like, um, they're making enough to live off hip hop, like pretty comfortably, but they're not right like millionaires. Well, that's one thing I realized is I the higher I got up in the underground scene is, you know, even these guys who are, you know, 10, 20, a hundred times more popular than I am in the underground scene, they're not really making that much money. You know, they're maybe making enough to live off or they have other jobs, you know, even a guy like apathy, like he sells real yeah. estate on the side. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's probably got what, 10 albums that at least 20 albums that he's collecting royalties. Yeah, quite you know, a few. so it, these guys aren't making a ton of money. I mean, it is. You have guys like Slain where he acts too, so he probably does all right. You know what I mean? But the, even he's not. I doubt he's a millionaire. Like, right. Well, um, another thing I wanted to touch on is, I don't know when it happened. I I feel like it was like two or three years ago. You jumped into yes. the battling scene. What what made you decide to do that? Did you just like enter a battle all of a sudden? Like just just say, "Hey, I think I'm gonna." Try I started this, getting more into what happened the battle rap aspect of it, you know, and it, and I think a lot of it was because I was like I was saying I was seeing there's not so much money or. Not that I was ever like in it with the idea that I was going to get a ton of money or anything. It's just the music part of it got to the point where that's not what people were really looking for in music and hip hop at that point. Like where 
with lyricism and stuff. They were more looking yeah. for that's when mumble rap came out and all that shit. And I think maybe my battle rap career was just uh, a protest against that, if you will. Like if kind of like if, if rap's going to go in this direction, I'm going to go in this direction over here where I'm going to just eat as many MCs and destroy as many as I can basically. <laughs> So do you remember your first yeah, battle? My, I mean, are we talking about like battle battle or like a, well, well, it a doesn't battle have to with be like a tip, people like, filming not, it? Hold on, hold on. Not yeah, like one with people filming it. Like kind of, I, I don't know if there's a different um, way to describe them, but it's the ones where like an acapella battle, or, like or more about like punchlines. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the acapella ones that that you see like the last few years not like where you're like not right like Eminem, my Eminem, first acapella battle was against ryan augustus uh from maine who's the three-time ruckus cup champ um and basically we both had wanted to like i knew that he wanted to do an acapella battle that he'd been wanting to do it and i'd already been rolling the idea around in my head and i and i wanted to be able to rap longer too. I didn't want it to be like 30 seconds to a minute rounds. I wanted to be able to go for at least a minute and a half. So you can get out like 32 to 40 bars because that way you can kind of build off the schemes and build up the punches. Whereas like in a freestyle battle with over a beat, it's more like set up punch, set up punch where it's like quick fire. You got it. I wanted to yeah. be able to do more intricate with the writing where it's like, okay, this scheme is going to play into the next. And then finally when the punch, you know, there'll be punches here and here and here, but when the, that punch at the, like the eighth bar hits, that's when it's going to be the real knockout punch kind of deal. You know what I mean? So I was that, I really wanted to do that and, and I hit him up about it and he agreed to it. And then he kind of like, I don't know, out of, kind of disregard for my ability or just uh you know him just not being motivated as an MC at that point in time kind of like pushed it to the wayside and I had to kind of you know call him out a few times and finally we got it set up and we did it and that was a really successful show we had a bunch of acts play uh, I was at a bunch of local Portland acts play and it was probably like, you know, the most successful hip hop show I'd seen in about a year up until that time with turnout. And um, that kind of, you know, built up our reputation as people who could put on a show. And so at that point, I kind of started doing the battles as like a supplement to like a hip hop show we would throw, you know, so it's like we throw a hip hop show, we'd have five or six local acts. And maybe someone from like Mass come up or something like that. And then we would have a battle yeah. too, as like, you know, just another feature of the show. Um, and so I did that for about a year, year and a half. And then I did a tryout for 413 Battle League in Massachusetts. And my battle was one of the top two most viewed battles of that tryout. So that kind of got me, you know, a little bit of a name to the point where I could 
book battles in that league and the, the other leagues around New England. And I've gotten booked a couple times in New York too, which is cool. Got to go down to Brooklyn and battle down there. One of my best battles was in Brooklyn versus a guy named Gator from Oakland. It was a very good back and forth stylistic clash. A lot of freestyle. Do you have a favorite? Do you have I'd a say favorite? that one's probably my favorite just because it's a great mixture of like everything great in battle rap. Like, you know, you have a lot of heavy punches, a lot of scheming, a lot of lyrical ability. He's a really good performance artist. He's even better than me as like a performance artist with like acting out his bars. So you have a lot of had a lot of good freestyle rebuttals and shit in that battles, which is always fun. A lot of great reaction too. It's great when the crowd's into it too. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked watching some of those battles you were in and like, honestly, I, I don't know for you, like you, you don't look like the typical person that would be in right. those battles, you know? And then like, you're really good with punchlines as it is when it comes to, to rapping, you know? So for you, it's a really good thing that you got into. And I mean, you're just, you're, you're saying so many things that are just freaking, they're, they're like borderline makes, makes someone want to punch <laughs> you in the face or fight you. you know? like, yeah, no, there's definitely always going to be that aspect of that. Did anyone actually like get really mad and like say something to you after or ever like have a grudge over anything you um, said? There was a couple of battles where shit got a little iffy. Like, like I was dissing the guys. Like, I mom. Like, there was a. But I didn't realize that till after the battle. On, so there was on. tension in the battle that I didn't even realize. Can you repeat that. There, you know what I mean? It was a glitch. It was a plane flying over my house. I, I think that's why. But I couldn't hear you for like th that whole answer. Uh, so I battled one of the second the second second guy I battled in four one three battle league. Um, I had some lines about his mom and stuff like that. And I found out after the battle from him that his mother had passed away like oh, no. a year before that. So I don't know if he thought that I, I was coming from that angle like because of that or not. But it, that was definitely not my intention. And he didn't react poorly to it. He, you know, he was just getting into battle rap too. So I think his mentality at the time was like, I'm probably going to have to deal with this sooner or later yeah. kind of thing. So he had... He had the mentality before the battle that if something like that was said, he was going to keep his cool, and he did. So that was cool of him, you know. And he's a good dude. We're we're still, you know, friends, acquaintances, all that stuff. Uh, there's more. It happens with people who aren't involved so much in the battle scene. Like I've had people who are MCs but not involved so much in the battle scene and they get into it and they don't know how to take certain things. And especially it's more of like the build up towards the battle because, you know, you got to put on, it's like wrestling. You got to put on a little bit of a show to get people interested in the battle. You know? So it, if me and you a month from now for that next month, me and you aren't going to be friends. 
you know, at least publicly, we could be behind the scenes laughing and, and hucking it up about the whole thing. But it, we're going to make it look so public, at least like we have some kind of thing going on. And a lot of people don't, that's the hardest part for them to handle, especially if the battle's like three, four weeks away. Cause it's like, that's hanging over their head for that whole time. And it's like, especially people who maybe aren't used to confrontation or you not good at dealing with that, that it ends up being too much for them and it breaks them mentally and they hmm. end up having a meltdown, you know, Jeez. over it. But it, you know, it, it's, it, it comes out because you'll see, you know, somebody react a certain way to something. It's like all of a sudden they start overreacting to everything it's like, all right, now I really actually got under their skin. Maybe I should back off a little bit. <laughs> but well, it's, you know, it's like crazy. Is like, battles. No, I've never had anybody take a swing at me or anything. What's crazy is like um, you're saying so much stuff, you know, and it's obviously memorized. How long does it take, you know, to get ready for one of these with the writing and everything and memorizing it? Because it, it's like it's remarkable, like how how much stuff I and mean, if you go three or four rounds well it's like it's, um and there it's such a long amount of stuff to memorize yeah it's it's like a mental exercise so when you first start out with it it's like when you first start out doing push-ups you know it's going to take you longer to be able to build up to do 20 or 30 or 50 push-ups than it would say you were out of shape for a couple months and then you started to get back into it. You know what I mean? So it's like when you first start out trying to memorize bars, you probably shouldn't be doing like a battle with three minute rounds or something like that. You should start out with like minute round or something, you know, your way into it because your memory is not going to be able to right off the bat grasp that kind of, um, memory so the more you do it the more that part of your mental state builds up to the point where you can memorize more and more and it takes less amount of time to do it like some of the professional battle rappers they can write all three rounds like the day before the battle and practice them for like four hours That's crazy and fucking have it have it down because they have 50 fucking battles they've done you know, or a hundred battles or something. And they've done it so many times. And, you know, it's like the guys who are really fucking good at freestyling. Like some of these guys are really good. So good at freestyling that you can't tell the difference between the written shit and the freestyle right. because they, they've done it so many fucking times. And, and some of these guys, if they could forget their bars and around and start freestyling and you wouldn't even be, really be able to tell, yeah. you know what I mean? I've had that happen to me before in battles and the shows where you just have to kind of go with it, maybe cut your round a little bit short, but you don't want to try to make it too noticeable. Because that's the thing, you know, like, you don't want to stop wrapping up to two, 30 seconds because then people are going to know they fucked up and it's never going to be enough to win the round right. <laughs> either. You know? Well, John, um, I want to be respectful of your time and I do want to have a round two with, with the, uh, everyone else in the group, you know, as we get closer to the release of the album. So um, I think we should um, put an end to this recording. Yeah, sounds great, and, man. Uh, 
Thanks I, for your time. You have me but on. I want to thank you for coming on. It was kind of short notice, but um, that was fun. Yeah, I figured you would be a good. I figured you'd be a good person to talk about 2020 <laughs> and just how stupid it was. Yeah, to, yeah. For most people, no, for sure, man. I mean, we've all been affected in many different ways, and I think music industry is taking one of the biggest hits. I know my other industry is taking one of the biggest hits. So, like I said, we got to adapt and overcome, yeah, and it's it what it is. Yeah. Um, so I'll be looking forward to the album, but I like to end the show on a positive note because I've learned a lot from podcasts and like listening to a lot of positive yeah, things. Exactly. And so uh, the question I like to finish with is if there's anyone out there that's having a rough time, whose life is just completely messed up and they feel like there's no hope and they're just completely screwed. And, you know, they're just the biggest piece of shit in the world. What advice would you have to them to, uh, take a step forward in the right direction you know never be afraid to keep trying that's what i say like we all hit low points it's like you know i'm telling my sons my oldest son he's nine years old going on 10 you know he's starting to get into girls and he's like asking me what he should say and do i'm like well whatever you do if it doesn't work just move on to the next thing you know move on to the next one and it's the right. same thing with life. You just got to keep moving on until you find something that works for you, whether it be your job, whether it be your girlfriend, you know, anything like that. Like there's always going to be dark days in between the light. You just got to keep moving forward. That's a great answer. Thank you for that. And do you want to uh, give anyone any shout outs and let people know where they can? Uh, yeah, most definitely. I just want to shout out High Grade and Fade 88 and the rest of Immortal Music. Uh, you can find us on Immortal Music on Facebook, Immortal Music on YouTube, uh, also on Bandcamp. All of our albums are up on there. If you want to check them out, uh, thanks for all your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, Keep me posted on the album and let me know exact when you find out when it's coming out. Most let definitely, me know when you we'll do, Craig. Back on. All right. Thanks yeah, you too. Merry Have Christmas. Good Christmas and uh, good New Year and everything, and good luck. Good you luck as well, sir. Much love. Right. You too. All right. Peace out. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. The, 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 the Craig Rush 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 Rush